0: Welcome to the Monroe Church of Christ podcast. I'm Derek Glover, preacher of the Monroe Church of Christ in Monroe, Wisconsin, and I want to thank you for joining us. I hope that you'll subscribe to our podcast, leave a comment or review on iTunes, and share it with a friend, family member, co-worker, or someone that you think would be interested to know more about our Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm going to do something this morning that I... Try to stay away from doing pretty often. That's commenting on current events. And there's a reason that I should try to stay away from it. Uh, part of it is who am I to have a, an opinion? Um, and the other part of it is that I like to think of this space as a protected space that is separate and apart from the things going on in the world. And the things that are happening don't necessarily have a spiritual impact on us. We are to be steadfast and carry on in this world for the Lord. But it's been a rough year. This past week has been a trying week. Um, Erica, you're you're from D.C. now, and you know uh, it's been a rough week. And it's been the latest in a series of rough weeks in the last at least 52 weeks. Whether it be the the pandemic, which has impacted all of us, the unrest of the past summer, uh, the challenges of the recent days. This has been an interesting time because it's one of the first times I can remember, at least one of the rare times I can remember, when the things that we read about in the news are happening To us, sometimes in these smaller communities like this, we're insulated a little bit. And we hear about these things going on, and we think, well, that's far away. But everybody in here either has or has known someone who has suffered from COVID-19 or been impacted by it in some way. I've lost two or three people in my life, ranging from acquaintances to friends, because of it and had great illness in my own family. All of the the things that transpired in the summer with racial division and unrest, that was just a few hours from here in Minneapolis, and even closer in Kenosha not too long ago. And when these things are brought to our doorstep, and we can't think of them as distant anymore, it begins to cause us to ask questions and to wonder what is our response, what should be our response, if any. And as Christians, I believe we have a response, or should have a response. And the only reason I'm commenting on this today is because it does dovetail nicely with what I was already prepared to speak about. But also, I have noticed the increased pressure in this world to take a side. There seems to be a force moving through our culture that tells us to pick a side. I, I I've, throughout the year, especially in the summer, and then and then more recently, I get messages from people saying, you know, are you going to say anything about this? Are you going to do anything about this? You know, I, I guess because I'm a preacher, people think, well, that's a position of influence. If you think that this is a position of influence, I would like you to tell my wife that. Um, but but I don't know. i mean, that's not how I operate. But this is more so than any other time. Not just say the right thing, or, or don't say the wrong thing, but, but forcing the issue to say the right thing. For the first time in my life, I have heard, not if you say the wrong thing, you're wrong, but if you say silent, you're wrong. It's no longer good enough just to avoid the wrong opinion. You now have to hold the right opinion. People are putting pressure in every corner of society for people to take a stand, and to say what side we're on. And so sometimes it becomes necessary to to speak on things. It's troubling. It's troubling to see uh, and to see us all impacted so much by things that go on in the world. It's not so much a political issue. It's not so much um, even cultural issues or social issues. It's really an issue of what is our focus. You know, Christians have always been strange. Believers in God have always been a bit strange. And more so than any other time in our lives, there is a pressure for us to take a side on some things. And we as believers are left in the middle because all of us probably have personal opinions about things that are going on in the world. Some of us maybe differ on our opinions of what's going on in the world, and that's okay. But as Christians, as believers, we have to wrestle with what our opinions of the events in the world are, and what our faith tells us. And sometimes it rings empty to those who hear us to say, it doesn't matter at all because Jesus is Lord and we're all going to heaven one day. Sometimes that's an empty response for people. We have to have more. I don't know that our job is to solve all the problems of the world. Even Jesus In his own ministry, admits, my job is not to solve all your problems. He didn't free Jerusalem from Roman occupation. He didn't restore the kingdom of Israel in its earthly form. He left before any of those things could take place. But he brought about something greater. And this morning and in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about what makes us different. I planned this little series about what makes us unique and what makes us different. Because we are very different than the world around us. And all the things, we had another incident of unrest in the past week, and it brought all this to the surface again. Where do you stand? Where do we stand? What do we as Christians, what what should we do? It's interesting to watch, and somewhat disappointing and frustrating to watch, how the church has operated in this country and its political involvement over, over its history. Uh, In our faith tradition, there is actually quite a bit of history of being completely removed from the political process. There was a time when some of the the leaders of our movement were opposed to interacting in our civic world. Most prominently, David Lipscomb was very much against this idea of Christians being involved in current events like that. Not because there was some religious opposition To a secular involvement, but because Christians have a different task. And for different reasons, historically, that evolved over time, and we began to accept more and more that Christians should be involved in the political process, that we should be a part of that discussion. And maybe that's the case. Maybe we should. As social issues began to rise to prominence, things like abortion and gay marriage, those are the two that have come up and and been been big, big pushers of Christians becoming more involved. But anytime something that, that rests on a moral foundation becomes involved, Christians seem to, um, seem to get a little more motivated to speak out and to become involved in, in the process. And that's that's fine. I, I, I have no problem with that. I certainly have my opinions on those issues too. But over time, as we become more and more involved, it seems that a great deal of mainstream people of faith have begun to choose a side, a side that holds their similar view. Now, in my lifetime, I've watched this evolve. And it's gone from concerned Christians over certain issues speaking out to choosing a team. I can remember when I was younger, and most people, Christians I knew, people of faith, have long leaned a little more to the right because of the conservatism of social issues on that side. And... We saw the, it was big where I live because Bill Clinton's in Arkansan, but in the late 90s when there was so much controversy over some of his personal uh, actions while in office, the faith community was very, very vocal and very outspoken about his choices and his behavior. And it became almost codified as part of a political party that those of faith would be a part of it. And 20 years later, a man was elected who had no better personal history and yet had the support of that faith community. Now, I'm not saying who you should vote for, whether it was right or wrong. It's interesting to watch that evolution. That we go from a people that stand on principle to a people who will ignore the same principles because a person might support our public policy views. And after what happened in this past week, Christians and the, and the Christian faith community has been pulled right in the middle of the conversation because of that support and asked and pointed to and asked to take a side. And there's finger pointing going on between two different sides about riots and protests that happened six months ago or last week. And we find ourselves in the middle of it wondering what in the world do we do? How did we get to this place? Now, who you vote for is your business. What opinion you have on policy is your business. I'm not here to preach politics. But we must guard ourselves against being pulled into these fights because we have a vision that is to be more eternal than these fights. And so I want to make that comment this morning, that as Christians we have to be on guard and we have to be careful not to be pulled into the fracas of the world. You can have your opinion, you can stand for your opinion, you can vote for your opinion. I really don't care. I'll do the same. But at the end of the day, our home is in heaven. And no matter what legislation is passed in Washington or in Madison or here at City Hall, my job is still the same. I hope that that legislation supports an environment where we can continue to do what we're doing freely. Beyond that, I haven't much interest in it from a faith perspective, because even if we couldn't do this freely, we still would, because it's what God calls us to. And so for the next few weeks, I I wanted to talk about what makes us different, and then this was put right in front of us. This makes us different, or we should be different, and this is one of the reasons why we should remind ourselves what makes us different. Because people of faith have always been different. We have always been a bit counterculture. At times more so than others. And the verse the Christian read this morning reminds us that God is calling us through Paul who wrote those words to not be set to the same standard as the world. He talks about in the previous verses of that making your body a temple and how you're going to interact with one another and in the context of that letter itself he's talking to people who are very divided, Jews and Gentiles within the same church body, church family in Rome and he's saying don't buy into the false narrative of this world that you have to pick aside there's a third option it's God and his son Jesus Christ and that can set all things right and that verse and that letter was written and and joins a, a, a great number of things that have been written in God's word about how Christians are to live or how people of God are to live and how they're to look different. We're a little bit peculiar, and we ought to be. Now, we live in this world. We have to interact in this world. We have to operate in this world. There's realities about life that we have to accept. We cannot completely remove ourselves into a closed society. That's not what we're called to do. There are some faith communities that do that, some that in in this very area that we see that do that. We have rejected that idea because that's not the example we see in Scripture. It would have been very easy for the Christians of the first century to be convicted in their faith in Jesus Christ, to be baptized, to become a church, and then to just go somewhere and live and never leave. They could have stayed in that mountaintop experience and lived their life in faith and in service to God, but that was not what God asked of them. That's not what Jesus left them with when he ascended. He gave a great commission. And he said, you have a world to teach. You have a world to share this message with. You have a world to redeem. And when I say a world to redeem, I mean the the souls in it, not the world itself. We're not here to fix this world. We're here to to save the souls that are in it for a life that is beyond, a world that awaits us, a home in heaven. We go back and look at the history of God's people. You see, they were always somewhat different. God chose a nation, an ethnic group, to be his people, to be the people through which would come the Savior, the Messiah, Jesus. And they were a nomadic culture for a great part of their history. They wore weird things. They, they followed weird rituals and traditions. And everywhere they went, they were the outcasts. Why did nobody like these people? It's When you read through the Old Testament, especially as they're on their journey to the promised land, occasionally they run into some bad guys and they have to have a fight. They have a land they have to conquer. And everywhere they go, people are sneering at them, making fun of them, killing them, doing all sorts of evil to them. Because they were so different. And they finally come into this promised land. And then even though they're in Canaan and even though they're building their city and they're building their life there, they're still surrounded by enemies. They're still surrounded by oppressive forces. They're in and out of captivity for most of their history and even to this day. There remains so much conflict in that region, and there has continued to be conflict because there are forces around the Jewish people that are in that region that hate them. God's people have always been different. They've always been on the outside of this world a little bit, still living in it, still functioning in it, But being called to something different. As we move to the New Testament, we see this continues. Because now it was the outsiders of the outsiders. It wasn't just the Jews, but it was those who chose to believe in Christ. That made them the outcasts of the outcasts in the world. We are called to live in ways that other people don't always understand. And it's not just in the fact that we show up on Sunday morning and do what we do here. Or that we try to hold ourselves to some moral standard, we do those things, but sometimes it's just in the fact that we're not impacted sometimes by the things others are. This world around us, we might be fearful or anxious about things going on, but those of us who have a faith in God live differently in response to it than others, as we should. Sometimes that's encouraging, sometimes it's off-putting. Sometimes it's very strange. We are different. We are odd. We're sometimes weird. And I wanted to take a few weeks to talk in the macro about how those who who share a faith in Jesus Christ are different from the world. And in the micro, look at even our own specific faith tradition and how we're kind of different than even the other Christians out there. And it's not that our differences make us superior or better or more right. It's that our differences do set us apart. And there are some things about what we do and why we do it and how we do it that we should celebrate. I am not. I don't really like to give in to church bashing. It's become a bit popular, even from the pulpit, to talk about all the things wrong with the church. Hey, we've got some things wrong with us. No doubt about it. Uh, there, there are some things that we're not doing very well in church communities and even just in the larger body of faith. But instead of tearing it down and trying to start over, what if we tried to redeem those things? What if we tried to celebrate what makes us different, to appreciate that there are going to be differences and to understand why we're called to be different? This isn't going to be a series about doctrine necessarily, although we may touch on some of those things. It's not going to be a series about why we're better or why we're right. Although we do believe in some certain things and we do practice specific things that are different from the religious community around us, we do so with reason and with history. And we do so with the defense we believe of Scripture. And we do believe that it is right. And we do defend it and teach it. But we also want to celebrate. We're not in a war of doctrine with others. To try and tell them why they're wrong. We may wish to convince others of our way of seeing things, but more importantly, we want to celebrate why we do those things. If others choose not to, that's really their choice, and that's between them and God. But we choose to, because it matters to us. And I want to spend a few weeks talking about some of those broader ideas and why and what there is to celebrate about. It. But today, We're going to celebrate the fact that as Christians, as people of faith, we are really on the outside of this world looking in sometimes. And that's okay. Because as much as it puts us on the margin from time to time, it also gives us great opportunity. One story that came to mind in thinking about how we interact with the world around us, particularly when it comes to government and politics and all those tricky things, the story I thought of is in Daniel chapter 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We all know the story so well, but we'll talk about it. I'll paraphrase it a little bit. We have King Nebuchadnezzar, and by the way, um, I don't know if you're from the generation that thinks of Nebuchadnezzar as a giant cucumber or not, but my generation was was plagued with veggie tails, and so sometimes we have this goofy image. This guy was pure evil. I mean, he was one of the most evil rulers of the time, and even in in history. The things they did to these captives, and Daniel, the subject of this book, by the way, was taken captive, and with a lot of the young men, was castrated. That was generally what, what they would do. They would castrate them. If they survived that, they were put into servitude, serving food and drink to the people who had tortured them. What a horrible existence Daniel had. What a horrible existence. And shame his people lived under. Nebuchadnezzar was evil. And he decided in chapter 3 that he's going to build an image to himself. A golden image. He's going to place it down here. He's going to set forth the doctrine. He gathers all the important people around. Remember, he's kind of the ruler, but there's governors, and there's prefects, and there's magistrates. There's people who kind of rule their little corner. And he calls them all together. He says, boys, we're going to get on the same page here. Here's the deal. You're going to hear the music. You bow. And everybody that you are over is going to bow. And if you don't, we're going to light you on fire. You think things have been bad. In our political structure, try having someone tell you if you don't bow to them, they're going to light you on fire. That's bad. That's bad. And so this is the order that's put out. And sure enough, there were some tattletales in the group, okay? Uh, This is way worse than somebody calling you out for not wearing a mask in public, okay? This is way worse. The Chaldeans, who absolutely despised and were the mortal enemies of the Israelites... Went to King Nebuchadnezzar to rat on a few guys. Hey, King, and and by the way, this is a total suck-up move. They're they're trying to gain favor, right? Hey, King, there's some guys out here that aren't obeying you. They're not doing what you said. I have a 13-year-old daughter. She's really good at this, by the way, when it comes to her little brothers. They're not doing what you said. King, she doesn't call me King. We're back to Nebuchadnezzar. And he says, well, who are these people? They said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Paraphrasing again for the sake of time. He says, okay, well, we're going to set this right. We're going to get this straight. And he he brings them, and and he says, okay, you got one more chance here, boys. Play the music. And they don't bow. And he brings them forward again. He said, I'm going to throw you in this furnace. Nebuchadnezzar seems reluctant. For as evil as we know he is, he seems reluctant here. He's being careful. And he says, this is your last chance to bow down. And they reply in chapter 3, verse 16. We do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. As people of faith, we have this option. We have this option. In a world that says you have to pick a side, you have to pick a side. Pro or con, for or against, left or right, pick a side. We have this option. We don't have to pick a side. We serve God, and God alone. We're not going to bow, and we're not going to fear the punishment. We're going to trust that God will deliver us. And we're going to hold fast to the faith of understanding that even if he chooses not to, God could have let him burn. He could have let him be turned to ashes. And even if he did that, they were saying, we're fine with it. We're fine with it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew this world was not their home. And we have to remember that too. Perhaps what made it easier for them, I'm guessing here, is that they were living in such a miserable existence of occupation and captivity already. Hey, what do they got to lose? Death looked like a pretty good way out for them, perhaps. It was easy to take that stand and face that risk. Maybe that's part of our problem. Maybe it's become too comfortable and too easy to be a Christian where we live. We don't feel like we face this choice. Or we weigh the cost of the the reduction of peace in our own life that causes us to question what step we should take, which direction we should go. We weigh those things a little more carefully because life here is relatively easy compared to Babylonian captivity. We have to be reminded that for the vast majority of history, Believers in God Almighty, followers of Jesus Christ the Son, have been on the outside of this world, of its society, and of its culture. And even our striving to influence it must be done with great care. That our focus be not on what we're trying to change in the world we live in, but what we're trying to redeem for the life yet to come. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said no. We're not going to accept your choice. Foul or be killed? No. We will serve God. Our message today for this world, and my encouragement to all of you, when faced with the choice, when forced into that corner, when asked to give an answer, despite all our opinions and all of our desires and our persuasions, we should be a people that says, No. I reject your question. I reject your choice. I serve God and him alone. That should be our message. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what it is specifically that makes us different, where we stand apart, how we're set apart, and how we should live as a result. And I hope that you'll be encouraged by it. And I hope you're encouraged this morning that... Things are never so dark that God can't shine through. Things are never so hard that we can't see the way out with Jesus. Sometimes when things happen that are so devastating, whether it be the illness of a loved one or the things happening in our world, and I've had those moments in life, I just walk outside for a minute and I look up and hey, what do you know? The sun came up today. The world's still turning. God is still in control. It's not to say that things aren't hard, that we won't suffer, that we won't have to make decisions, but God is still in control. And as long as he is, he is able to deliver us from the furnace that we find ourselves in. And we, in living for him, we're going to be different. And that's okay. Maybe you're struggling this morning. Maybe you're hurting in various ways and you need encouragement or you need prayer. You know, we set up the last month talking about prayer and how we wanted that to be a focus of the coming year. And we continue to make that a focus of what we do at the Monroe Church of Christ. We want to be a people of prayer. And part of being that people of prayer is understanding how we're different from the world. It's one of the things that makes us different. We want to pray for one another. We want to walk with one another and encourage. If you have a need in that way, if you wish to to make that known publicly or privately, to be prayed for, to be restored to your faith, or to walk in newness of life through baptism, we encourage you to come make that known and take that step as we stand and sing together. Thank you for joining us for the Monroe Church of Christ podcast. We hope that you have found today's message to be uplifting, inspirational, and encouraging. Most of all, we hope that it helps you along your spiritual journey. If you have any questions or comments or would like to drop us a line, you can do so at WICOC at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you, and we look forward to you joining us next week.